we go. Yippee. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this fourth day of March, 2015. You're listening to the Hadit.com radio oh, show. Hadit.com <laughs> is veterans' help. It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, uh, on this fourth day of March, 2015. Uh, snowing the nice. Uh, we have ice and snow on top of it uh, here in Missouri. I think uh, uh, John Rossi out there in Colorado, he's got some snow. And Berta, I know in New York, has got snow. Oh, you bet I do. <laughs> and uh, uh, Jay Masser, co-host, uh, I think he's probably got some snow. If he don't, he's going to have some more. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, we're here with our co-host, Jay Masser, uh, Berta Simmons, and uh, John Rossi uh, with the Blue Water Navy is going to be our guest speaker. Uh, I think some new things have cropped up with the Blue Water Navy. Let's hope for good news. Uh, how are you doing today, John? Well, I'm doing all right. I haven't been silly enough to open my door or anything to let that weather in, so uh, I'm still still snug as a bug here. Um, but you're right, there have been some real interesting things happening with Blue Water Navy. Well, let's hope for good news. I mean, anything positive, are they going to finally uh, get, you know, get what's due them? Uh, doggone it, get a square deal from the PA. Well, that part I can't answer, uh, but uh, I'll tell you the parts that are looking uh, pretty positive right now. Uh, our, our bill last session, which ended the uh, first of uh, this year, the bill uh, died in committee. Well, that's that's a typical story, I guess, for this, but I'm pretty sure we know why. So it's now been uh, reintroduced in the House on the fifth, uh, 13th of this month. It was uh, reintroduced by Chris Gibson along with 131 original sponsors, uh, which is gives it a little bit more clout. There are people that uh, uh, kind of stepped out with Chris before the bill was even introduced, and uh, now I'm, well, I, I'm not sure what the number is. We've got over 150 total co-sponsors now in the House. Um, so it's the same bill. It's uh, H.R. Right now it's got a new number. It's H.R. 969, and uh, same wording as as the original, what we had last uh, session. Now, the other interesting thing is on, um, when, tomorrow? No, Thursday. On Thursday, the 5th, uh, a companion bill is uh, scheduled to be in, uh, introduced in the Senate. So it's a sister bill, I think is what they call them, and um, it's going to be the same wording. It will be introduced by um, Senators uh, Gillibrand and uh, Danes uh, from Montana, uh, Gillibrand from New York, 
and that will give us a, a simultaneous uh, uh, bill in each chamber. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. Uh, the um, the reason that uh, that we can figure, I guess, that the bill keeps staying in committee is that the Congressional Budget Office doesn't put a price tag on it, or hasn't yet. Uh, they gave us a preliminary estimate in 2012, and between now and then, uh, we've redone our numbers. We've looked and, and corrected some of the st- statistics that we use that uh, tell us how many guys uh, will need to be treated under this uh, this bill for the Blue Water Navy. And the number is going to be lower than it was originally. We had a meeting with them right at the end of December. They seemed to agree with our um, uh, number proposals on on what the cost would be. And hopefully that is going to be something. It's called a CBO score. It's the the cost of the bill. And that's going to be released uh, before the end of this month is what I hear. And with that in place, and with uh, both the House and the Senate having a, a bill in their chamber, then I think we're going to maybe see some action on this. Congratulations, John. Uh, well, it, I heard that's from, a little early, but thank you. Well, uh, we've got to be optimistic. I heard from Susie Bellinger this morning, and I posted uh, her links and information at Haddock for people to uh, support uh, the uh uh, HR uh, uh, 969, uh, nine, yeah. Right. Uh, and, and of course, when it gets into the Senate to support it, uh, when you do the cost estimate, uh, and these things are very difficult to do. I remember uh, when apparently, I think NBLSP or, uh, did one uh, for the uh, 2010 NEMER uh, regulations. Uh, I'm, and I'm sure that you're going to say yes to both my questions. Uh, did this... Uh, put into consideration potential survivors as claimants, as well as, uh, question two, did you consider footnote one of Nehmer, which I'm sure it would have to? Well, uh, yeah, yeah the, it's it's going to be, the cost is going to include, I think I understand your question, the cost is going to include the uh, current veterans that are in need of uh, hospital help, um, and it's also going to include the cost of the survivors uh, over the years that have um, had their their loved ones uh, um, pass on based on this uh, uh, the medical problems and the cost of those uh, widows and, and family receiving benefits is going to be built into this uh, CBO score. Yeah, that, that's just great because I'm assuming Nehmer will cover them and Footnote one was the essence of the uh, Nehmer 2010, and uh, hopefully uh, there are still a lot of living vets that can, um, you know, take advantage of a wonderful, hopefully wonderful result of all this. Well, our our <sighs> guess is that there's going to be oh around somewhere around twenty or twenty-five thousand. Uh, wow. Claims that. That may be legitimate, or in other words, it may make it through the the scrutiny of the VA. That doesn't mean they're gonna they're gonna have some false positives in there where they'll 
turn people away simply because they don't have that right piece of paper or something like that. But uh, yeah, uh, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna work. They, wow. Uh, the, the way it's written now, I'm still not clicking my heels about because it's uh, it's limited to the ships that were in the territorial seas. Um, The way that's defined is 12 miles from baseline, which is not quite the same as shoreline, uh, because the baseline sits out to the low water mark, so it's a little bit further out than shore. Uh, And then as you wrap around the Mekong Delta, it it sits fairly well far out from shore. Um, the, uh, The ships that that have, did not enter the territorial seas would include um, aircraft carriers on on certain of their Westpac cruises. Uh, uh, they were in close in, in a lot of situations, but in in others they they were either north of the of the DMZ or they were just not in close enough to that we can catch them in this in the territorial waters. So. That one I'm still trying to figure out how we're going to get out of, but it may take uh, uh, round two to do that. Yeah. Well, you guys have presented some pretty good uh, overhead photos uh, to the court uh, in, in the Gray case. Was it Richard Gray? Right. Well, yeah. uh, that, quest, that question is an interesting one because it, it uh, went to the Court of Appeals for... Uh, C-A-V-C, geez, whatever that stands for. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, anyway, they, they said, well, uh, okay, so we're trying to figure out whether Da Nang Harbor is, should be considered an inland waterway or whether that's going to be a harbor that is not covered as a as inland water. And I, I was not impressed with anything that the VA brought to the table. And as a matter of fact, there were a few details in that that change some of the uh, uh, patterns that the VA has been using to approach the uh, analysis of these claims that uh, I think are are going to be pretty specific. Um, hmm. uh, and I'll give you, for instance, um, in, in working with the Inland Water uh, Project, um, they're the ones who create that list that says, okay, uh, a Blue Water Navy ship uh, happened to have gone uh, inland. Uh, they went up a river or they went into a port and tied to the dock and the crew disembarked, or at least portions of the crew did. And then they'll go ahead and put that ship on the list uh, that, that they have on the Internet. Uh, right now there's... Uh, uh, somewhere at 330 to 350 ships on there. Yeah. Uh, they've been very careful over the years since we started that in about 2010, maybe it's 2011, um, but they were, they've been very careful to say that what, um, what makes that eligibility possible is the physical location the geographical location of the ship. If it's in, if you draw a line across the mouth of a river or a canal, and the ship was on the inland side of that, uh, and essentially you'd probably say, well, that was in country, then the ship 
is considered to be covered under the existing uh, 38 CFR 3. what 107 and 109 um, for for the existing um, coverage for boots on ground and inland water. What they said during the um, hearing that the that was at the Court of Appeals was um, well, uh, the, and the question was, what distinguishes an inland river from, for instance, a harbor? And for the first time that I've heard, the VA said, well, uh, it's because that's where the Agent Orange was sprayed. Now, that's a, that's a significant difference, because before this, they were saying, oh, no, no, it has nothing to do with what could have been in the water, it has nothing to do with what could have been in the air. It was only based on uh, geographical location. And now we've got them saying, oh, well, it was based on where there was actual herbicide uh, that, that you could find the physical particulate spray right there at that location. And that changes things because now you could say, ah, aha. Yeah. So that means yeah. there was direct contamination as opposed to just this. Uh, uh, you may, may be able to make an argument for direct contamination as opposed to the presumption of, a, of contamination. Exposure. Huh. So anyway, that's that for something. That, that is a very curious statement. Did that come from the February 25th uh, hearing? Uh, there's nothing on the docket about that. Uh, uh, well, I'm calling it, it a hearing. Uh, I don't know if it was informal or not. Well, it was a, it was a hearing that's been taped, and if you uh, go back and listen to the tapes, you'll, you'll hear make uh, that acknowledgement that, that the distinction was because that's ex- that's where... Uh, they talk about the spring along the river banks, and uh, uh, so there, there's actually been a mention of the herbicide being present there. That is very um, interesting. Uh, I don't have any tapes, but I will have been looking over, and all of this is that had it, uh, and I, I just bumped up the uh, uh uh, when the uh, lawyer for uh, Robert Gray uh, joined Hatter to bring us this information. Um, on, on the 25th, it says the case was argued before Judges Hegel, Davis, and Sherlin. Uh, do, you, do you know anything about that argument? There's nothing there. Uh, it's well, just blank. Uh, the, there's, a, there's a link on the uh, Blue Water Navy site at the... Oh. Uh, at the little blue button called the uh, news of the day uh, and, oh. uh, or you can go into the update and we linked to a tape where you can hear the argument it was oh. uh, I'm gonna guess it was close to an hour long and yeah. um, that was you know that was one of the statements made and, and based on my background with working with the inland water guys uh, it must not have been well coordinated because they've they've never let us use any concept that said there was there was really anything there. It was it was all the presumptive. It doesn't didn't have anything to do with herbicide literally being there in the water and on the riverbanks. But now that they've said that, well, by golly, not only were the ships quote there where the Agent Orange was, but they 
also now has Agent Orange sprayed in and on the rivers, and uh, they had to go somewhere, so we'll just follow the water uh, right. downstream and out into the plume of, uh, of the river that went into the South China Sea, and I think that there's a, an argument that says, oh, well, if they've admitted that there was that there was specific Agent Orange, and nobody knows the quantity, but at least there was something there, uh, then it had to have been taken somewhere by the flow of the water. So, right. I, I'm pretty excited what you just told me, and I, I can't wait to hear that tape. <laughs> this is big, Gerald, you know, these... Uh, and what's big about this is, and one thing, one I've learned as an advocate is the VA will put your foot in their own mouth, and you can use it against them. And this is intriguing to me. And, and you know, it's common sense, John. All of the rivers and tributaries that are around Danang Harbor emptied into Danang Harbor. I mean, they couldn't defy gravity, and you know, I guess <laughs> from the northern hemisphere, you know. Well, the well, thing is here, though, is why it took them so long to pass up to this. Now, they've known this all along, and then all of a sudden they let it slip out. Uh, you know, That's the story of the VA, Gerald. The VA well, yes, it is, but <laughs> it, it just shows what kind of critters they really are. Uh uh, doggone it, how many years you've been working on this, John? And then all of a sudden they say, well, we did spray up there, you know. That, that's that's nonsense. They knew all along they sprayed up there. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. I don't think there's any question about that. I, I, I actually think if the uh, if you line up the head staff uh, in, in, in the VA and we're able to get an honest answer, uh, most of those guys know that that uh, everyone in the whole area, uh, the entire theater of combat, and probably most of Cambodia and Laos, uh, were exposed. But that's not the company line, uh, so they so they deny that uh, aspect of it. But uh, deep in their hearts, I don't think they they can fool themselves enough to say that uh, that the Agent Orange or whatever of the Rainbow Riversides happened to stop, whether it was in the air, in the water, uh, it stopped right at the shoreline, by golly. And uh, and my my big problem with that was when they right. overturned uh, the ruling for Haas in the federal uh, uh, circuit court, they were given what they call Chevron deference. And one of the requirements, one of the prongs, of Chevron deference is the argument has to be reasonable. And when you come in front of a judge and you say, Judge, the the flow of the air and the flow of the water uh, stopped right at the edge of the shoreline, uh, to me, that never has been reasonable. And I don't know why somebody hasn't uh, taken that one and just wrestled it down to the ground. Uh, how far do you think that uh, actually leached out into the sea there, uh, John? The uh, Agent Orange that was running off the land and down through the rivers, and like you say, uh, 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 you know, they sprayed the rivers, the docks, and everything else. Uh, and so you know that was uh, 
contaminating the the water there, and it was going to leach so far out into the ocean. Uh, I don't know how you can put a distance on it. Uh, my lands, uh, I guess, it go all the way around the world if it wanted to. Uh, a really good question, and I think yeah. that that yes, you can put a distance on it based on at least the first level of that, and that is by satellite imagery, you can see how far out the plumes of the various rivers go. And, of course, the Mekong Delta uh, with yeah. the Mekong River, that that's out uh, 30 to 40 uh, uh, nautical miles at the minimum where you can still actually see it. Um, some of the smaller rivers up uh, north of there probably have uh, uh, plumes that can be seen out uh, 20 miles. So if you go with that particular uh, uh, view that, that, that I think you just um, mentioned that, that would be the, a proof of that, well, if the sediment from the river washed out that far, then, of course, anything right. that was in the river went along with it. So that's the least that it, that it went out. Now, from there, uh, we know the Australians are... are um, saying that, okay, any, everything out uh, 180-something nautical miles, which is really the distance uh, from land that, that includes the theater, the entire theater of combat, uh, that that makes sense. Um, that is something you probably can't get physical evidence on, but you can't get physical evidence on any of the things that are related to the use of the herbicide back in the 1960s and 70s, so it's as good a uh, an assumption as any other assumption. Uh, well, when you think about ground war, contains soil from Vietnam. <laughs> That's why it's brown. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at it, and it can boil well, down to semantics. You know. Yeah, the, uh, in the in the distinction with the blue water and brown water, I I find confusing because essentially that's uh, uh, there there are too many interpretations. Is it, is it literally the color of the water? Well, not really. Um, the, the brown water guys were were given that name because they operated on the inland water system, which of course is always brown. But the, the yeah, if you look. Um, simply at the color of the water, well, that brown came out pretty darn far uh, off the coastline. Um, if that brown means, ah, there were particles of uh, dioxin in that brownness, well, then, yeah, now we've got a different story. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it, could, it could open up into something like that. Yeah, yeah. Anything's possible, for sure. I've learned that as an advocate and as a claimant. Um, it's just getting uh, other people as a VA to see the way, <laughs> think the same way that you're thinking. You know what I mean? Oh, um, yeah. and, and it's a matter yeah. of, of making that wording just the way that they want to hear it. Yeah. Uh, John, I understand that from the docket that you submitted an excellent summary on the Da Nang Harbor report. And I think probably uh, early on, uh, the lawyer, I for Robert Gray, I forget his name, he probably submitted that report, the actual report uh, for the BBA case. 
it, it has been presented to the BVA case. Uh, uh, there was, in, in, in the rumors that are going around, there was a memo that came out that was a secret memo that said, uh, pay no attention to the Da Nang Harbor report. It's, uh, oh. it's non-proven, uh, et cetera, et cetera, although that's not true because uh, Wayne Dwernicek gave it a, a very good, thorough analysis and, and wrote up a introductory review of it, and, um, and we're considering that to be a peer-reviewed report, although it was never published in any uh, magazine it was it was reviewed by one of the mo- high most experts of the field um, but uh, yeah the the we we also uh, introduced a uh, amicus brief uh, in, yeah. in support of uh, and this is i guess matt hill is the uh oh, right. attorney yeah. and right. uh so we put in, and that got in a little late, but it's still going to work its way into the paperwork. And um, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting hearing. I guess that's the, that's one good description of it. Well, you know, John, you are not allowing it to go away. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, uh, and you know, that's that's like Kelly. You know, uh, uh, oh, you know who I mean? Uh, I forget. Uh, Charles Kelly, you know, he, he wrote a book oh, yeah. on Agent Orange. He won't let anything die either. <laughs> you know? right. Many times he, he's been so discouraged over the years, and, uh, and of course he's been very ill, but then uh, he gets uh, breathes some new life into himself and gets at them all over again. <laughs> you know? And that's the way to do it. You know, keep hitting them hard because uh, I, I'm very optimistic about all this. Something's got to give. At some point, uh, well, there's there've been a there've been a few things that have loosened up. Um, I want to say considerably, but but uh, I want to throw out one example, Berta, uh, because it ties in uh, directly with with the blue water stuff. Uh, the C one twenty three pilots have just oh, uh, yes. been <laughs> and all given a, a red banner essentially. Uh, because the, the IOM came out with a statement that said, uh, yes, uh, within the fuselage of these airplanes uh, that they inherited after the, they did their spraying in Vietnam, uh, there was enough dioxin that was embedded in the internal fuselage that when the reservists inherited these airplanes, they became contaminated uh, to a level of dioxin that was much higher than anything safe, and <clears throat> and the mode of uh, exposure was uh, by airborne particle. It was not you didn't have to lick the wall or rub up against it or anything like that. It was uh, that uh, based on 15 years after their service in Vietnam, these these airplanes were still uh, uh, exuding the, the airborne particles that were able to contaminate individuals. And the, the important thing about that is it, it says a bunch of things. It says that, uh, okay, the IOM now says that uh, dioxin would uh, be have a persistent life 
on uh, equipment that came from the mainland, and in this case, the the uh, spray planes. But by golly, if if something was uh, contaminated, uh, it it lasted through time, and now we've got a situation where uh, things that that <clears throat> moved from the mainland to let's say the uh, carriers or the repair ships uh, at, at sea in the Seventh Fleet, uh, along with it came the um, contamination from the mainland. Uh, and if it happened in one case, it, it certainly has just set the, the ground rules that uh, it very probably happened in other cases. And I think that's a very another important aspect that, that has come out of this very recently. Yes. Uh, Gerald, that's all I've had. It. If anyone's listening, uh, it's under uh, C-130 or West Carter. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, or Agent Orange. Uh, am I saying that right, John? C-130. Yeah, the, uh, the C-130K, or they've got they've got different designations for them, but they were yeah. just C, uh, oh, C-123s. I'm sorry, C-123. 123. That's it. Yep. Uh, but it's a C-123, or if it, if they just Google West Carter and had it, uh, all the information that I had gotten on that, uh, uh-huh. as well as whatever's recent popped up, that's an, an interesting turn of events, too, uh, John, and that alone gives me hope regarding the brew water issue. It does. Uh, it does. You know, um, and um, uh It'd be nice if IOM could do a report specifically on why veterans in the Da Nang Harbor have a high incidence of DM2, IHD, you know, all, all these other uh, presumptive disabilities. Right. Well, and again, um, that was uh, that was something we tried to spell out in the Da Nang Harbor report. Uh, da Nang Harbor was the most contaminated because not only did they have two rivers that uh, dumped into it, but they had the ranch hand operation working right there uh, less than a mile from the from the um, shoreline, and, and we now know that there was a drainage ditch from the north end of the runway, yeah. which has just been given over $100 million to remediate that, uh, that soil. Uh, that drainage ditch was for the intention of taking any runoff water from the north end of the the uh, air air runway right down to the to the harbor right into oh, the water. There and we've you go. got we got some affidavits from guys that uh, cleaned out that uh, waterway to make sure that it would always let that water flow for for drain off. So there's there's some there's some details that are in this that uh, that have been. Um, Avoided very uh, purposely by the VA. Mm. Folks, we got to take a quick break here for to run a commercial, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be right back in about uh, about a minute. Okay, thanks. This is Jay Basser, one of the hosts for Hatted Veterans Radio and the Ask Basser Show. I wanted to pass along an important message to the members of Hatted. Haddit has kicked off a fund Haddit campaign. Haddit has been helping veterans navigate the VMA since 1997. Haddit's owner T-Bird needs your help. 
the expense of running a big site like Haddit is steadily increasing while the operating revenues have been decreasing. For these reasons, Haddit has kicked off the Fund Haddit campaign. Remember, Haddit is not a nonprofit organization. Please give what you can, as no amount is too small. Your support is greatly appreciated. Help us to keep Haddit around, because without it, where would our veterans be? Personally, I'd be still stuck in the VA quicksand. Just click on the Fun Had It button on the forum page to support HadIt.com. Thank you, Jay Basher. Well, thanks for that, uh, uh, John, because uh, Haddit uh, does... Uh, we all need to chip in a little bit here and, and uh, try to keep Haddit afloat. Uh, it's uh, it's becoming such a a large site now, and and uh, you know it costs money to run, and and they're not looking to make a profit. Nobody makes a cent off of it. It all goes a hundred percent of it goes for for the maintenance of, of it and and keeping it up to date and all the software, uh, you know, up to snuff. Uh, no one gets paid a cent, so. Uh, this is one of them deals. Uh, everyone volunteers their time and had it, and and uh, it's a wonderful website to help veterans, and uh, with especially with the claims process or or any other information that you might need, uh, you can usually go to had it and get it. Uh, that's uh, they have some great moderators and what have you. So. Uh, with that, we'll get back to our show. Uh, John, uh, no, I just find it mind-boggling that that uh, uh, the VA has been so hard-nosed about this. Uh, they know, without a doubt, that we got sick veterans was on some of those ships out there and uh why why are they being so so hard to deal with i mean i know it's just because the va but the va was not established to to be that way i mean they see that something something's wrong here and yet they don't want to uh step in and and uh, help resolve the issue. Well, that's a good description of what's been going on. Um, what what we're coming to the table with with the Blue Water Navy is uh, we've got guys that are um, just continuously dying of the same diseases that are um, being uh, compensated for and, and provided health care for. Uh, from the guys with the boots on the ground uh, or being on the inland water. And uh, they were separated by uh, anywhere between a couple feet because they were tied to pier. And if you didn't get off that ship and stand on the pier, uh, you're not given the presumption of exposure. Uh, it doesn't matter how long you were tied to the pier. If you can't give a sworn statement that you stepped off that ship, uh, you're not eligible for exposure to Agent Orange. Uh, and, of course, then some of the ships were out uh, several miles, but we've shown that there are 
pathways of exposure uh, that that could very easily take out uh, the take the uh, dioxin out uh, to the ships that were of the in the Seventh Fleet, and um, uh, they were done by both uh, natural causes of the the uh, wind and and water, and they were done by uh, uh, the movement of materials from the land out out to the air or the uh, ships, including aircraft, uh, which, of course, landed on the carrier. As soon as it landed, the the, uh, crews were climbing all over them, uh, wiping them down. in the in the residuals that clung to the outer skins of the airplanes were were particles of dioxin that were in the atmosphere, and and we've shown uh, physics the physics of uh, the fact that that uh, that those particles that clung to the outer skin of the airplanes were held there with electromagnetic charge, electrostatic, and that's. Uh, that's how these guys got sick, and they're sick in exactly the same way as the guys that were stationed on ground. And yet, uh, uh, like you're saying, Gerald, the, the VA says, "Oh, well, that is exactly the same disease, uh, but it must come from a different source." And um, and there was no different source. So, uh, yeah, I think that they do know it. I think it's a it's a um, financial problem. Um, they can't. They can't pay for the wars that they put us into, and that makes me very uncomfortable about what's happening with our with our current guys. Well, yeah, this is going to come back and haunt. Uh, you know, uh, it. Uh, they want to get into these wars, but yet they don't want to uh, pay the bill for them, and and. Uh, the bill just seemed to go on and on. Even after the war's over, the the expenses don't stop. They continue on, and and it's because of nonsense like this. Uh, uh, don't they have a formula or or something? I I don't think out that, that they can put a price tag on a war. Uh, myself, uh, it's going to cost what it costs, and and uh, taking care of your your veterans that become ill through through uh, uh, I would say shoddy workmanship because that's how this Agent Orange thing come about was was uh, uh, through shoddy workmanship. Or, Practices at uh, these chemical plants that uh, taking too many shortcuts and and it, it caused a lot of harm and has killed a lot of people. A lot of people. A lot of veterans have died because of this, and a lot of them have have brought it on and exposed their families, even uh, their offspring. Uh, and yet the VA has gall to sit back and say. Uh, well, we we got to have uh, uh, funds for this and funds for that. Well, that's a bunch of hooey. We got funds to take care of our veterans, believe me. And 
and uh, they need to turn loose of them and start taking care of the veterans instead of spending all this money uh, trying to uh, uh, bury them. Well, that's that's our uh, viewpoint also. Uh, I think one of the when a, when a country gets to the point where they don't take care of their veterans, uh, what they're doing is they're they're training uh, a subset of, the, of their uh, citizenry in in some very sophisticated um, uh, warfare techniques, and then they're sending them home saying, uh, "We're thumbing our nose at you." Um, that that's not a, a comfortable position for a country country to be putting themselves in if if you ask me but then of course I'm just uh, I'm just one guy with a opinion here well that's that's generating the uh, downfall of a country uh uh that would be the uh, genesis of the downfall of a country because who wants to go fight for a country you know and say look man I I get all buggered up, uh, and these exposure issues are the the, the worst uh, because you come back with an exposure issue, and the first thing they're going to say, well, you got to know what chemical got you, and you got to know what time of day it hit you, and you got to know exactly where where you were at, and and you better have a uh, GPS uh, readings and everything else, and and uh, uh, it's idiotic. Uh, they know from your ailments that something's happened, and and it shouldn't be by case by case basis. It just gives them a good excuse to to uh, 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 mess people over because it's hard. For individuals to fight these claims, almost impossible in many cases, and and it should be uh, taken care of as a unit. Such as Blue Water Navy should be a unit. Uh, uh, your your atomic veterans, look what they've done to those poor people. And then we got your Gulf War veterans. Uh, uh, look how they've handled loads. Uh, and. And we're going to have, and we got veterans coming back now. Uh, you know, some of them uh, might be uh, harmed by some sort of exposure because now they got every type of chemical agent over there uh, running loose in the Middle East. There probably is. And uh, uh, all of a sudden here, after you're out of service a year or two, and and they well it didn't happen in the service. Uh, it must have been when you was working at the gas station, or you was working <laughs> at McDonald's or something else. <laughs> it didn't happen in the service. Uh, and that's uh, that's what the poor veterans are facing. Uh, now, when it comes to a future war, somebody starts marching on this country. Of course, uh, this country's known for, for its patriotism. Uh, people's going to rise up and say, "I'm going to go, go do what's necessary." But uh, 
uh, some some's not, uh, and and uh, they're going to think twice about it because they're going to look back and say, look how they done these guys, these veterans, and and do I want to be in that category? Well, that's uh, that's happening right now. Um, it was, I think uh, it is happening. Yes, I think you're right. The uh, the the requirement to have a standing army of uh, individuals that commit themselves to a military career uh, is one of the things that we've uh, the, one of the things that's kept our country strong. And uh, the the rate of um, of recruitment into the service for uh, uh, at this point the volunteer army, but it's those that they want to have turned into a career, um, th- that number is uh, shrinking dismally, and the ones who are staying in to make a career uh, are leaving, and that's because uh, of these absurd changes that, uh, that the DOD and, and uh, even VA, we can throw in there, uh, have been making, and um, it's it's discouraging the very people that we need to continue our, uh, our vigilance for this for this country. Well, yeah, we're losing the uh, benefit of our professional military, uh, and that's that's important for any country. The survival of it is is a professional military, and and these uh, uh, I've heard of I don't know how many officers and. And your your top uh, enlisted personnel being drummed out of the military for whatever reasons, and and or just give them a pink slip and say go home, you're, we're done with you. Uh, that's not right. Uh, we need a professional military, and 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 uh, that's the best deterrent of it. Of anything I can imagine of, of keeping other idiots from trying to attack the United States. Uh, I would like to see every state in the Union uh, uh, build up their National Guards and and double what they normally carry because uh the government, for whatever reason, the VA or DOD, uh, seems to be downsizing our our regular military to the point that I think it's going it's leaving us in a vulnerable situation. Yeah, it's. Uh, I agree with you, and I and the movement is well uh, entrenched, and it's uh, it's getting worse. Uh, every state. Uh, has got a um, a charter uh, through the I want to say through the Constitution that they should and can have a, a uh, militia and that has to be a strong one. Um, yes, I agree, and and I urge every state in the union to uh, uh, pay attention. Look. See what's going around. Uh, around, you know, this is this is not right. What's happening now? And here, I'm, I apologize. We've got off subject, but, but uh, this is 
you know, this this all comes, you know, in a way it all comes back. It, it just shows that uh, someone's not paying attention. Or someone's got plans that, that are... Uh, yeah. That are other than ours. I think that's I, it's I one or the that, other. Yeah, I I think that's what it is. They're they're trying to change something that they shouldn't be, and and it's uh, uh it's stepping on the Constitution. And any time you do that, uh, you better look out. We're headed for trouble. And and uh, that's a good point, Gerald. Uh, and in the long run, it's really not off topic because we're talking about um, future veterans. Well, yes, um, we are, Berta. You know, uh, but I have a comment to make, uh, and then I'll I'll shut up because I get I think we're running out of time. Um, I have learned that sometimes the solution to a problem is it within the problem, uh, and I brought this idea up before to someone, but I forget who I talked to. Uh, Vietnam. I used to uh, read uh, the Hanoi news from time to time uh, on my computer. Uh, their government is very uh, unusual. It's a pretty good setup. They have multiple deputy prime ministers. They have an Agent Orange, um, some sort of a foundation. They have uh, some sort of medical uh, care that is handled with the um, through the government. They certainly have a lot of victims of Agent Orange uh, in, in Vietnam, of course, that, that are suffering from disabilities that I don't know if they're similar to what American soldiers uh, came home and got eventually or not. But my, um, I've always wondered, John, um, if anyone has ever contacted uh, the deputy prime ministers of uh, Vietnam's interior or their uh, environmental program or anything to get their take on how contaminated Da Nang Harbor truly is. And if they well, haven't, uh, huh? No, I th- that's, that is uh, kind of a, an ongoing uh, um, operation uh, with the, the uh, Hatfield the Associates looking yeah. into... You know where exactly the environment is is the most polluted. Uh, we have the State Department uh, that has actually been pitching in money to help do some remediation, although it's it's a kind of a piddly amount. But it uh, yeah uh, it so the Hatfield report is still ongoing. It is. They I just I finished did. a new one from uh, Ben oh, Hoss. Oh, oh gee, oh no kidding. I'd better get up to speed on that, uh, uh, John. Uh, the the report that I'm familiar with is the one that found Agent R, a dioxin at, at the Nang Harbor that was 300 times the amount that it was when my husband served at the Nang. You know, you know, in the 60s, 300 times. But you used the word persistent. Uh, dioxin is a persistent organic pollutant, and it can multiply. In essence, I mean, it's not going to go away. You know what I mean? It has a, uh, it, particularly in seabirds, they keep it in their um, skin for a long time, in their uh, flesh. And ironically, it was the last course I studied at the uh, military university I went to, and I was absolutely stunned to realize, you know, that we all have dioxin probably in our systems. We have it uh, in our soil. 
But that is um, super duper news. The Hatfield report. Yeah, and, and I, I think uh, I'm talking about within the last uh, month, uh, definitely two months. Wow. They've they've done a very deep analysis uh, for uh, Benoit and and the surrounding areas. That's the other location that uh, the ranch hand flew out of. Uh, and I think you're going to be surprised at some of the numbers, Berta, because they're at least as high as the uh, the measurements that they got around portions of of Da Nang uh, and the air base. Boy, boy, that's, that's incredible. You, you know, John, there's not enough hours in the day for me to keep up with it all, I'll tell you. <laughs> and things change quick, you know. Well, that's that's right, and and uh, and it's nice to know that people are needing to look into this sort of stuff, and it's being done. But the uh, big problem is once you've got the thing scoped out, uh, nobody. Uh, we're certainly not taking responsibility and saying, "Well, you know, um, we put it there. Let's let's go uh, help them get rid of it." Uh, we've, yeah. we've sort of put our toe in the water and. Um, and that's and that's about it. And they're tracing, um, and you had mentioned this. They're tracing the genetic changes brought about by a dioxin uh, infusion. Um, they're ch- ch- down to the third generation now. And those wow. people, the the young wow. fetus uh, is is having uh, this this somewhat horrendous physical changes that. Uh, it just, it's terrible. That does not surprise me at all. And, of course, the fact that most Vietnamese women breastfeed um, uh, and they're drinking water, you know, to, to maintain, you know, there, there's so many things to look at when you think of how chemicals can get into either unborn children or, or small, you know, very small children, babies. Right. Um, what a show, John. This has been fabulous. We need him back more often, Gerald. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah. need to. I need to get uh, more of a positive attitude about things. I think, uh, uh, you know, there is doom and gloom involved in this, but but back with the Blue Water Navy thing at this point in time, uh, that there's some there's some things going on that is that are worth being very having a very positive attitude about because it looks like. The, there's a focus in, in the Congress that is essentially saying, okay, we're, we are going to solve some of these problems. Um, and maybe it's because they're becoming so uh, glaringly obvious with the screw-ups that the VA is being caught in now that they're saying, well, maybe these guys that have been uh, uh, carrying their picket signs on the sidewalks for so long, maybe they've, maybe they've got some legitimate complaint here. Yeah, yeah. So I hope that continues. Yeah. Well, we just have to stay on top of it and and uh, call them to task every time we get a chance. Uh, I mean, I know we can do. Um, contact your legislators. Uh, everybody out there, uh, please contact your your legislators, your congressmen and senators, and ask them to support this uh, uh, Blue Water Navy bill. And 
and stay on top of this veterans issues because it's it's quite important and it certainly will have an effect on your future. Uh, those that think it don't uh, are living in a, a dream dream world because uh, yeah, they have their head. Uh, they have they have their head in the sand. I was going to say something else. Well, what do they call you know, that? Uh, they call that busted brazier syndrome. That's where it's, uh, that's where it's breaking oh. you back and not giving you no support. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right, John. Uh, but anyway, keep track of what's going on around you. I mean, you know, you don't have to be a, a Harvard uh, graduate to, to see that something's astray here. And... Uh, uh, be very concerned about them di- downsizing the military as much as they have been. Uh, that's terrible. Uh, we're, we're losing all of our professional military, and and uh, that's not good. And and when you have incidents such as the Blue Water Navy, and they're sitting there with all the evidence that they possibly need to say yes, uh, there's there's something wrong here, and we're going to get these guys taken care of, uh, or and gals. Uh, you know, instead of fighting it, they should be assisting. Uh, saying there's something wrong, we want to get to the root of it, and we want to get it uh, corrected. They're not doing that, and. Uh, Let's hope Congress does the right thing and pass this bill. What's what's the number of this new bill, John? Well, in in the House, it's HR nine six nine, and as of Thursday, uh, this is going to be given a new Senate number. Um, of course, we won't know what that is until that happens. But uh, if if anyone wants to help, get a hold of your senators and your representatives and simply say you want this bill passed uh you're you're a constituent and you want them to do their job and pass this bill and the more that they hear from their constituents the more probable that's going to be yeah that's right and as sue bellinger said to thank them if they've already supported it uh, and that's, that's right. a good idea too and yeah. uh, that information is in Haddock. Uh, I, I posted it, and I'll post a reminder from time to time uh, that, you know, we can all do something to push this forward. We all have congressmen. You know, I mean, my, my senators are, are the two New York senators, uh, but we all have congressmen in every state, no matter who's listening in, wherever they are, to push those bills forward. Yeah, sure, we got about a minute left, buddy. Oh man, I hate it when time goes fast. Uh, it's that's been one quick hour. Uh, John, uh, I'm sure glad you come on and enlightened us here with the Blue Water Navy and the progress it's making. Uh, let's everybody try to get behind the Blue Water Navy and help push their bill through. Uh, we'll do the best we can. And uh, then we'll con- uh, continue on with do- trying to expose the, the wrongs that's been done. Uh, 
So I want to thank Haddon, and Berna, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, oh, it was uh, an honor to be here with you guys today. Uh, you always uh, uh, have some good questions and very good uh, input and, and, and make the show that much better and, and uh, ask the right questions. And uh, by golly... That's what it's about. Let's try to keep people informed the best we can. Any anything we can we can think of that might help the poor veterans' plight. Uh, let's let's try to do it. So, uh, John Rossi, uh, I wish you and the Blue Water Navy the best of luck, and and I want you to know uh, uh, you you're not alone. Uh, I appreciate this. Uh, I appreciate that sentiment. I appreciate the time to uh, that you've given me to to share the news we've got. So we'll keep at it. Well, it's our pleasure, and and uh, uh, let let's hope it's successful this time. I know it's been there several times, but let's hope it gets on through there now. And Jay Basser, thank you for being in there as co-host. Uh, doggone it, you always doing a good job. And and uh, of course we want to thank Haddock for making this time uh, available and and uh, working with us and supporting our podcast. We feel it's very important, and and uh, let's hope it continues on. So let's be Gerald Cook with the Hatted Podcast. Uh, we'll be signing off for now. You've been listening to the Hatted.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hatted.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hatted.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hatted.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Bachelor Show.